Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org, or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. While playing basketball, I took a hard foul and uh, my back started hurting. When we, when he first hurt his back, they did several x-rays and then one MRI without a contrast died. So this went on for several months. And then when we finally said something's not right because he's not healing, he can't get relief, like what's happening. So then they did the next MRI with the contrast dye, and that's when they saw the mass. There's this old uh, Southern uh, gospel song, and it's, it says, don't wait till the battle is over, shout now, because in the end, we're going to win. So you're still fighting. See, I'll go, mm. yet you're still fighting, but you shout now because you know victory is in sight. Welcome to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. We're a community that's dedicated to funding life-saving cancer research through a three-day experience of cycling and volunteerism. I'm your host and Ride Community Manager, Jill Landino. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Through research, we will see an end to cancer. Thankfully, every single penny raised through our riders, virtual riders, and volunteers goes directly towards the solution. This is made possible by our major funding partners, the Elburns Foundation, Huntington, the American Electric Power Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santuli. It's because of them, all of our partners, and this dedicated community that all of this is possible. In the fall of 2015, Brian Baker was playing a game of basketball that may have quite literally saved his life. A hard foul he took during the game set off a chain of events that drastically altered the next four years. Six years earlier, his wife LaShondra was hearing about a community bike ride that is devoted to raising funds for cancer research. Of course, neither Brian nor LaShondra had any idea that these events would both quickly become intertwined with one another. Let's start our conversation reflecting back on 2009, when LaShondra first volunteered with Pelotonia. In this episode, Victory's Insight. He picked me up at the... the, 25-mile stop where I was volunteering because I rode my bike there thinking I was, you know, very special uh, to do that. But I rode on two flat tires, so I made it really hard for myself. And so I said, yeah, I'm not riding home. You need to come get me. (laughs) Because that's how I rode. And that was the start of your journey. And then when you ended up riding in our event, you found out that we can fix a flat tire Yeah, you. Yeah, she can fix flats. (laughs) And and I definitely found out that peanut butter and jelly sandwiches taste like filet mignon when you're (laughs) riding that very, very long distance. Those literally are the best peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the planet. So back in that first year when you decided to sign up, did you know anybody personally who had been affected by cancer, family, friends. Yeah. So, yeah, interestingly, my aunt probably 30 years ago mm-hmm. had breast cancer and it was for sure a death sentence. Like, yeah. you know, we never even thought about cures. We just like, how much time do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, and she struggled a lot. Um, it probably wasn't even a good year 
before she passed. Mm -hmm. And that was the closest person to me uh, to have it. But it was like medical technology and advancement is like you you didn't even think about it Mm -hmm. the way we do today. Right. You just said, okay, let's say our goodbyes. Let's give her love and just try to make her comfortable the rest of her days. Yeah. And so that's what I'm so amazed at now with the technology It's like. It's kind of like, oh, if you have diabetes or high blood pressure, you take this medicine and you can still be okay. There's longevity that happens now that you can actually be a cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. And that was something that we didn't even know was possible back then. So you talked about going to dinner right before you went to Riverside for the first time. I can't imagine what it was like to know all these things swirling around. What was that like? Did you tell people you were with? We knew we had cancer, but we didn't know, you know, there's no sense in saying what we don't know because they're going to start to ask questions and we don't have answers. So, yeah. um, The night of the dinner was interesting because my, my L3 had actually uh, collapsed, which caused a little bit of nerve damage in my right leg. And um, my leg was somewhat numb. And we're so we're here in the short north and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on in my body because everything's kind of changing. And uh, I'll never forget, my wife decided she wanted to run across High Street and to get to the restaurant in the short, yeah, in the short north, and and here I am trying to drag drag a leg, and uh, get across that getting hit by a car, and I had to I had to pull her aside like, hey, you know, you need to slow down, you Sorry, know. Sorry, I, I lost my mind for a second. I totally <laughs> forgot. Honestly, I think I was less worried about the cancer at the time than I was about just staying upright and and my awkward appearance with rods coming out, um, but uh, it it was it was definitely interesting. There was a lot of a lot of stuff going on through my head and it was, it was a whirlwind of emotions, but you have to keep it even keel until you know exactly what you're dealing with. Until we know all the information, we don't share it readily, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't tell anybody yet because we don't want to get people worried. And then we don't want to say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, when yeah. they ask you a bunch of questions that you actually don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was something that was pretty intense for us. And we ended up having to call um, my mother-in-law, his mom, to go watch our daughter because we were like, hey, we're going to go to the hospital. We'll be back mm-hmm. shortly. Yeah, that didn't happen. That was like four days later we were able to get out of the hospital. So <laughs> it was kind of this weird thing. And she didn't know because we just like, oh, we just go in the hospital. We didn't even tell her what mm-hmm. for. So we had to tell her then at that point, like, you know, it looks like, you know, Brian has cancer. And so as his mom and as a mom, I know that feeling, you know, even though he's, you know, a grown man, that was really hard for her mm-hmm. um, to go through that because she had never had any real sickness around her family either. Um, so to hear that, you know, her son had cancer, it's been a journey for her as well. And she spent a lot of time with us this last year uh, doing the car T cell and she helped out a, a ton for us. But um, it was very hard yeah. for her, you know, to be a part of that. She really stepped up and uh, I can't. I can't thank her enough for for all that she did. Mm-hmm. So I'm, a, I'm a mama's boy. I'm an only child. So, so the fact that <laughs> yes. uh, that she stepped up the way she did was just amazing. And at seven o'clock, left the dinner and went straight to Riverside. Spent all night at Riverside. They were doing all kinds of X-rays, and, and this was Thursday night into Friday morning. They finally admitted us Friday afternoon at three o'clock mm-hmm. and said, "Well, you definitely like you have cancer, but we don't know what kind yet." We have a, a, a small staff over the weekend, but we're going to do our best to diagnose you so we can figure out how to treat you. And then Dr. Peter Corliss um, became our oncologist at the time. And we, oh my gosh, we love him so much. Great guy. But he is just an amazing guy. So they found out over the weekend what he had. And then Monday we made a plan. Tuesday he started chemo. Mm-hmm. And so it was literally within a week and a half after diagnosis that we were in the hospital and he started being treated. And he did chemo first, and that 
seemed to work a little bit, but then we hit a six month mark and it came back, mm-hmm. and it came back a little with a little more vengeance with yeah. it. Yeah, I think my body's got a, a flair for the dramatics, <laughs> so yeah, it's like it's like can't just do it normally. We got to go in and uh, let's make it as challenging as possible. Yeah. So, um, so then we scheduled t- uh, Dr. Corliss transfers over to the James with Dr. Samantha Jaglowski, who we also love in that office at the James. So we scheduled for him to have um, a stem cell, autologous swift stem cell um, transplant. So we did that in the summer of 2017 and everything was looking good and we were feeling good about it. Then we get to the six month mark and it came back again. And so it was like, we can't get past this halfway point. And they said, at this point, we're probably going to have to look at CAR T cell. Yeah, we've been truly, truly blessed with the James and the, and the work they've done. And and just to think when I was originally diagnosed, the CAR T cell therapy wasn't even, you know, an option unless you were in a uh, trial. It's amazing how quickly uh, ther- uh, therapies and uh, can change. So, yeah. you know, it gives people like me hope. And that's a message I want to send to other cancer patients. And the really good blessing for us is that it was just approved by the FDA the fall before wow. we were going to get it. And so that was really good on our behalf. So we were able to get that and get him scheduled to get in. Um, And so last November of of 2018, he went in uh, for the CAR T-cell and he was able to get it. We uh, had a few complications in the beginning because he ended up having two blood clots, one on each lung Mm -hmm. during the process, which complicated the procedure. Um, But again, the, the whole staff at the James worked so close together, neurology, oncology, cardiology, everybody worked together to say, what is the best course of action for this patient to get the best outcomes? And we're going to do what we can to get him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the, uh, with the CAR T-cell therapy, they, they withdraw your blood and then they separate it, pull your T-cells, and they send them off to a lab and they re-engineer your, your cells to be able to identify your specific type of cancer. And um, it's an amazing process. And most of the side effects are uh, reversible, which is a lot better than what chemo can sometimes do for you. Um, The neurotoxicity is one of the most intense periods that you go through with it, but it's it's a short period. And um, it's honestly harder for your caregiver than than the patient. but it's, it's an exciting uh, new opportunity in cancer research for all cancers. If you look around the country, they're doing uh, immunotherapy, CAR T-cell therapy on all kinds of different types of cancers now. And uh, you can really see it almost like it's the future. Yeah. And, and hopefully, hopefully it is, and, and the results are that we, we eliminate this disease. We tried to really keep the kids on even like, hey, you know, there's a lot of research mm-hmm. out there. We don't know what this means. We're going to be okay. Like, we always try to keep it really, really, really upbeat for mm-hmm. the kids, um, but for, for our in-laws as well. Um, but in, we'd always have these conversations like, okay, wh- what do we need to do? It was it was, it was, was never a, well, we're just going to just stop and just, just, just give up. It was almost, okay, what do we need to do now? Mm-hmm. So with the kids, it was one thing. With with our parents, it was another thing. And then with friends, it was another thing. Because what we what we didn't want people to do is, this is going to sound crazy, we don't want people to feel sorry for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we looked at cancer, and we still look at it, is it's both a blessing and a curse. I won't say it defines me, but I've, I've embraced it. Mm-hmm. And I want to make, make it into something positive. Um, regardless of the outcome, I want to be encouraging to others and, and motivate others to uh, 
like like she just previously said about you know living your fullest life um one of the uh, experiences that I had is with a, a gentleman named Joseph Banks and um I met him at the Pelotonia pre-party and yeah. when was that? In 17. In uh, 17 and um he came up to me and, and we we talked it's the first time I met met him and and he came up to talk to me and we we had a good conversation and and by the by the end of the night he kind of pulled me aside and say you know, hey, you're you're a soldier for what you're going through. You're really, you know, you're really doing a great job, which I I really appreciated. You know, yeah. and uh, a lot of people say that, but I didn't put much I didn't put much thought into it. But what really I found amazing was the next day is, is he went home and actually ironed my name onto his shirt. After one name, I mean, he had to ride the next day, mm-hmm. so he took the time out to put my name on that shirt. And um, one of the greatest lessons I learned was from him, and I didn't know this was going to happen. But about a month later, he was in a, a roofing accident. And he passed away. And it was a reminder to me, whether you're healthy or you're sick, you need to maximize your time. And and we we have fully embraced experiences over things um, after that. And, you know, God rest his soul. He was such a he doesn't I don't even think he even understood the impact that 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 moment had for me. It was such a small gesture. But especially after his death, it was such an impactful moment. The cool thing, too, I'll say that my husband doesn't. He won't toot his own horn, so I'm going to toot it for him. (laughs) After he met Joe and he did that, he started writing um, positive verses on dog tags. And when we encounter somebody who has cancer or is going through cancer, he'll have them made for them and give them to people to kind of give them an encouragement. And he'd tell them, you're a soldier on the battlefield of cancer. And so that's something that he has done. And we were actually able to give a pair to Joe's sister. And I, it, it just touched my heart. And the biggest thing when they do the Instagram nine pictures or whatever of the year, the dog tags that Brian made is one of her, that made her top nine. That yeah, she that's, gave to him. that's so pretty special. It was very special. You guys didn't let this slow you down at all. Uh, you know, you're some of the most involved people in the community that I know. I mean, there's so many people that know you. You're involved in so many things. You care about so many different aspects of the community. It's not like Pelotonia is your one thing. Right. You know, it, right. I just, I find that so incredible. And I would just love to hear more about how you guys have kind of prioritized your time and even used the things in the community that you're a part of um, to really find strength through this whole thing. Yeah, we just have a give back mindset. We've always had that. I've, you know, ever since I was a young girl, I always saw my grandmother. She was a pillar in our community. I grew up in a little south, a little town in southeast Georgia, and everybody knew Mama Millie, so they called her. And so she never turned a stranger away. If somebody came in, they were hungry. She gave them food. They needed clothes. She gave them something on their backs, right? She, she was always in that give back mindset. So I just grew up like that. And so when... We, we got married it was just something that was just natural for me and I'd say come on this adventure with me basically and so we just go and we meet people and we talk to people and mm-hmm. when we were in the middle the second time when his cancer came back we were um, at the site to get our chemo and it was a room probably about twice the size of this one but not so much which Every, we're in a very small which room we're right in a small room <laughs> so everybody can understand Yeah. and there were probably about 40 chairs in there and everyone was sitting there getting an infusion of chemo. I mean, just room full of people. And so my husband also getting the chemo, his, like, his heart was just breaking. He's just like, 
we got to help people. You know, I stood with him the whole time through the journey, but there were plenty of people who were there alone. Yeah, so he's like, babe, I want to do something for them. And I said, what do you want to do? And so there was a Panera that was right down the street. So he said, can we just give them a meal card? So, yeah. So I went to Panera and got meal cards for everyone. And he, with his infusion pump in tow, went around and gave everybody a meal card and told them that you're not alone on this journey. Like, you you have people who care about you. And I don't have to know your name, but I know what you're going through. And it was just a powerful moment. And it just, you think you cannot love somebody any more than you do. But it's like, I literally fell in love with him all over again for his selfless heart. Our community of friends is, uh, it's been amazing. Um, Every time the cancer come back, they would, they would pull together, whether it was from her, uh, employee or employer or from our, our friend base and, and constantly we're getting uh, gift cards and visits and even Doug Allman showed up at the James to visit with me for a half hour and for him to take time out, you know, yeah. half hour, he's, he's, you know, he's got busy a busy man. schedule. Yeah. For him to take time and sit in my, uh, my room at the James and talk with us is, is something special. Mm-hmm. And uh, to see how the community comes together to support us was was absolutely phenomenal. And I think it's just really important from a caregiver perspective, if there are friends out there who want to help them, really ask them what they need. You know, I had one another friend, especially when he was in the hospital for 34 days this last time, um, Barbara Hess, and she just said, I'm coming to you. <clears throat> I don't care what you need. I'll be there, and you can tell me what you need, you know. And if it was just to make me laugh, she sent me the funniest memes and crazy stuff via text just to give me levity during that time. Oh man, just it's like, just like she said, it it it, it uh, our love just grew, and um, you you appreciate when you go through something difficult uh, to have her there, and you know when she's sleeping on that tiny little couch at the James, she's not comfortable. And uh, she's not, you know, she's going through some stuff too. And and uh, to see that you you appreciate and you value having um, your your caretaker and your best friend and your lover and having them there and having them be in your support, your rock is it, it, it just amazing and uh, it's a debt of gratitude. I don't I don't know if I'll ever be able to pay back. It's she was phenomenal through the whole process. So I was amazed by her. Wow. That's pretty cool. Still are. Yeah. Every, every day. <laughs> she, she reminds me every day. That's right. How amazing That's she good. is. And like I said, I loved him one way when we got married, and I love him a completely different way now. And he has been my best friend, and he has been my hero, and he has been such an inspiration to me and our children and our friends. It's important to take a second to review Brian and LaShondra's incredible journey. He's undergone three rounds of chemo, one stem cell transplant, and one CAR T-cell therapy, each with their own unique challenges. But through it all, they never gave up hope. I would definitely say, don't let the cancer define you. It's, it's It's a step in this journey, this thing that you're doing, and it probably is going to dictate some of the things that you do beyond this. But there is a humanity that you share, whether it's love or admiration or respect or appreciation that you already shared before you started this journey, and you got to hold on to those things. 
the first year of my diagnosis, I was I was kind of kind of angry, depressed, you know, like you know why you know poor me, and uh, I had to get out of that mindset. And um, and once I did, I started I started living better than I ever have. You know, you kind of take down that fear because you always worry about what people think of you or, or whatnot. And then I kind of lost all that, and I was able just to embrace um, what I was dealing with and move forward. And 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 we've done a lot of traveling. And yeah. We've met a lot of great people and. Um, you know, you have your down days when you do, you know, take a day off, yeah. but you know what? Get back up. You still got time. Um, you, d- you don't want to waste that time because that time is precious. I, th- I think uh, positive attitude and prayer is probably some of the best medicine you can receive. If you could go back to that moment, knowing everything you know now. Uh, I would go back and tell myself not to waste time. I spent a year of my life um, just being bitter and angry about it, you know. I wanted to blame somebody. There's nobody to blame. It's just it's life, you know. It happens. Um, I can't get that year back. My the median survival rate for for what I have is about ten and a half years. So I've, I've literally lost ten percent of an opportunity uh, where I could have been a lot more happier, making other people happy, serving my community, or and embracing others and doing positive things instead of being uh, negative. So. Um, yeah, I think I think that would be the the main thing is just try to you know it is what it is. And I think my doctor, the one thing he said to me, Doctor Corliss, uh, it's, he says it's not a death sentence; it's a condition. It, you know, um, it's just just like heart condition or diabetes or anything else. We just need to try to maintain it, and that kind of put it back in perspective for me um, with how to deal with it. And I, I knew there was a lot of treatment options out there that you know have that will provide longevity. Uh, for my life. So um, I, I should have been more focused on that mm-hmm. and, and, and the possibilities in the, in the future that I still had yeah. and not, not getting all caught up in the, in the moment of what I didn't have, which was my, what was my health at, the, at that day mm-hmm. or that period. Yeah, I think the traveling experience is one thing that we really embraced and we've really done a lot of that. I've been, been to Vegas and L.A. and New York and Chicago, Chicago and yeah. and. You know, we got a, it's our 10-year anniversary this year, and, and in October we're going to go to Fiji to celebrate wow. that. So we're, we're instead of, again, going back, you know, we're not trying to embrace things, we're trying to embrace experiences because we'll have those forever. One of my favorite memories outside of our trips yeah. over the last couple of years is he rode in Pelotonia in 2018. And I drove around to all the main stops, and I followed him on my, my map app, and I, every time he was going there, I cheered him on. And then I get in my car and go to the next one, and I cheered him on. But I tell you, the best thing was him coming across that finish line. And me and, and two of my best friends were there to watch him. And it was such a moment of, of elation. Because even at the time, we knew he was going to have to go get CAR T-cell. And he had three tumors that were growing. And he said, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. And it was such a powerful powerful moment for us and the really cool thing is the recap email that pelotonia sent out the next week had his finish line picture in it (laughs) we're like heck yeah i i laughed because when i crossed the you know it it was it was 
intense, but it was fun. You know, I, I just put my head down and went. I was so determined because, you know, I was, I was kind of angry that I, I did my cancer bag. Like, hey, you ain't going to dictate my life. You ain't going to make me not ride in Pelotonia. And, and I went after and I rode it. And actually, she was having trouble keeping up with me because I, I was really. I was getting ahead of her GPS. Getting ahead of my GPS. I could barely catch wow. up with him. I was like, what is this? But yeah, it, it was it was simply amazing. It's probably, I'll put it down as one of the highlights of my life. You know, from, you know looking back, it's that's probably one of the highlights, being able to do that and, and have cancer while I was doing it. It's just, it, I knew I knew if I could do it and I could get it done, I could inspire others. You know, you know, you can still live and still do things with cancer. It's not, it's not. One thing that people say to me all the time, and I I appreciate people saying it. Um, but after a while, kind of, it kind of, kind of drove me crazy. And people come up to me like, "You look great," and I'm like, "Well." What does somebody with cancer look like? You know, because people have cancer every day and they walk around, they work, they jog, they, you know, people do day-to-day things with cancer. And, and I want to I be an example of what you can do. And, and that's how I try to put myself out there. I think the, uh, um, just the community and seeing the people cheering you on. And, and I had a survivor jersey on, so, you know, people rode by, they, they would, you know, applaud, give me some encouraging words or, or whatever. And, uh it was, it was a, it was an amazing experiences. I'm glad I did it, I, I, and I'm, I signed up again to do it this year. So thankfully, with the, the research that Pelotonia's or the money Pelotonia's raised and the research that the James is doing, it's, it has allowed me to get healthy enough to to potentially ride again. This not potentially, you're right. You're, <laughs> you can do it. I'm cautiously optimistic, but but I will ride regardless. So we have one more big scan coming up at the end of May, which is going to be a defining moment for us because it's six months. Mm -hmm. And we know this six-month thing that we've been going through for the last four years, so we're kind of holding our breath a little bit, but we're ready. We're ready for whatever it is. The story of Brian and LaShondra Baker doesn't stop there. That scan they mentioned has happened. His scan was delayed a week, but on an early morning in June, my producer Vince started the day with them in their driveway. I've been told I'm in remission. I've been told my cancer's back, like, twice for each now so it's like it's a roller coaster ride so I, I, I use the uh, I use the term cautiously optimistic so I, I feel like I always got one foot in one foot out so I'm, I'm ready either way get out of here rave yeah man, I was telling you last night it's supposed to rain today it's like perfect time right right now I'm thinking I'm tired because I didn't get enough sleep last night we've been doing it for four years and probably every three months for four years, though, that's what, four times a year, so this is probably our 16th time. Sometimes it was like every every three months, and then it was every six months, so it just depends on the treatment. Yeah. And every, that's the thing, every treatment's different. You got, you know, straight up chemo, what he did before, and then he did two different types of chemo in the very early days, and then we did the full-on stem cell transplant, and, uh, that didn't work as well as we thought it would. And then so now we're with the CAR-T, so it's been a little different every single time. Uh, but we have we go with the same hope and anticipation and we go with the same anxiety. If it does come back, I'd probably be asking my doctor about trials and seeing what else might be on the table. But right now I'm just gonna hope it ain't back and I ain't gotta worry about it. So at the end of the day, what we're looking for, um, he could be stable and improving, which is a good thing. That means he has a chance for a longer term remission. He could have some growths that may be harder to move than others, but that might 
you know, be a different option that he has to look at, or things could stop shrinking and start growing again, and that's the worst option. So what you need to do, well, I'm the nuclear medicine technologist. I've been here 11 years, and what a PET scan is, is we use a radioactive sugar to go in and take, sugar is always very highly metabolic, and so we put them into a sugar starvation, which is why he hasn't been allowed to eat for the last six plus hours. Then when we inject him with this radioactive sugar, we want him to kind of sit here and be as much at rest as possible. Um, cells that are highly metabolic are also cells that are quite often cancer cells, draw up all of this sugar so that in about an hour when we scan him, we'll be able to see at a molecular level if there's any kind of metastases. Sleep. It's pretty uneventful. Um, had to lay still, not not twitch and stuff. But yeah, it's like you get in there and get cozy, and they put that warm blanket on you. But uh, other than that, pretty uneventful. Now now the now the wait. You see the doctor, and then once the doctor comes in, then we'll get some get some answers and see where we go from here. When he registered for the PET scan, that's one thing. And when he comes over here, he registers to see the doctor so she can tell us the results of the PET scan. So two different sides of the house. So this one is for this side now. So he just has to register, and then they'll send us upstairs to the hematology lab, which is where our doctor is. I take this patient resource center for the families. It's so awesome because I do a lot of work here when I'm here. Hello, sir. <laughs> Thank you for being here. That's right. Um, so yeah, when I do work, I come down here. They have a phone charger, private conference rooms for us to do stuff, and then also coffee. A lot of the researchers that Dr. Jaglowski has come in around are doing research based on funding that they've gotten from Pelotonia. And even with this new CAR-T immunotherapy, uh, the advances that they're gonna have Pelotonia is doing a huge push for giving money to that to, to advance it from where it even is right now, which is huge for us because we're looking at it like we were in the early stages of when they first kind of released it. But I'm thinking even in the next two, three years, um, that's going to be a first line of defense for so many of these cancers. And it's going to be made possible from the research that Pelotonia has, has Funded. I brought my mom, they, they, they literally flipped the screen around like, see all those black dots? That's cancer. And my mom's like, jaw dropped. Oh, it, it freaked her out. It, it freaked us all out, but I tried to like, oh, no, I don't think that's as, as I think that was already there, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So it was it was hard. It was really hard. I'm, I'm fine. I think when I get, you know, closer you get to the doctor, coming in and giving me the news, you get, you get more anxiety. So they head up to the second floor of the James to the hematology lab. After Brian has his blood drawn, he settles into an exam chair inside a small room. LaShondra is less than a foot away by his side. Leading up to the primary visit by Dr. Samantha Jaglowski, a handful of different nurses and staff stop by to ask various questions, putting the information into a nearby computer. That's one nice thing about a... Dr. Jaglowski, is, is she herself has had cancer, so so it gives me a little bit of comfort knowing she's been on this side of the fence. So when she's she's approaching me, um, I know she's walked the walk. So I, there's not much to think about until you find out one way or the other. And so once once that happens, then then the wheels start spinning in whatever direction. <clears throat> so it can be positive, it can be negative, but ultimately I have control of it. So I just got to keep keep my bearings about me and, and um, 
try to be positive no matter what the results are. All right. Well, Wendy will finish up, and then uh, Jaquela and Dr. Glasgow will be in, okay? All right. Thank you. Finally, good to see you. We have this swing. We've had this swing over the last four years. We go to this caregiver patient kind of thing, and then we go back to being husband and wife. Then we go back to being caregiver patient. And it's like this, it's this weird thing that, like, physically we're still together, but, like, the emotion and mental capacity around it shifts depending on, like, how sick or how well he is, right? And when we have these little pockets of the remission, which is why we always get so, ooh, like, are, are we going to be here for a while or do we have to go back? Because we start getting into a different rhythm and then we have to revert back to that rhythm. And then we get into a different rhythm and we revert back to that rhythm. So that's, that's, that's been challenging. Yeah. Go back and forth from caregiver to, to husband and wife. Because it, it takes time because when, once you're getting treatment, even though like you're done with the treatment, it still takes you a month or two just to get your strength back up and, and everything else. So, so yes, yeah, it, it makes it challenging, but we, we push through. Yeah. There, there was a, a definite role adjustment because I had worked all my life and uh, to be not able to work and be on disability. And then my role switched from going to work every day, working 10, 12 hours, to now I'm at home doing laundry. And dishes and keeping the house clean. I, th- I I I still struggle with that sometimes. The the nuance of it. Um, I don't mind cleaning, but it's just not fulfilling. So I, I try to find other ways to uh, fill my time up. But that 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 role for me was really tough to transition into. Still is. Eventually, CNP Jaquela Robinson stops by to discuss Brian's situation and to say the words they've waited four years to hear. So your PET scan read is not back, but the images look fantastic. We don't see anything in the growing area anywhere. We see nothing. So you, mean that, like, you don't see the tumors anywhere? Like, you don't see nothing? We do not see anything in the area at all. We'll have an official read, hopefully in a few moments here, so you can read it and really relax a little bit. But looking at the images, wow. everything looks good. Great. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, congratulations. You look so good. The last time I saw you, you were feeling really bad. Do you remember that? Still that time with the guys. <laughs> no, I don't. You know me at all? Great. Great. Thank you. Bye, guys. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you. Hello. Like, uh, hello. You have no tumors. Well, there's no evidence of disease. Whatever. Stop it. This is fantastic. Yeah. We'll get the final word from the doctor. I know, we found word, but like, they're like, they see nothing? They see nothing. That's a big deal. They see nothing. I haven't had that. We've never had that. Samantha Jaglowski. I am the clinical director of the BMT and Cell Therapy Program at Ohio State. Well, I met Brian before his first transplant. And, you know, he, he made it through that one with flying collars. But when he came back with a relapse disease, I talked to Dr. Corliss, you know, I was scared. You know, honestly, his scans are a huge source of anxiety for me because all you want to see is that clear scan. So, you know, from, from where he was when he came back in with the relapse to where he is today, it's, you know, it's amazing. As Dr. Jaglowski wraps up her visit with Brian, the roles of patient and doctor suddenly evaporate in the moment as a sigh of relief is shared between a handful of people on this journey. I love you. What's wrong with my boo? You cracked me up. Oh my gosh. 
appreciate you so much. Love you guys. Love you. You're part of our family. But before they leave the room, Brian has to call the other woman in his life, the one who was with him at the very beginning of it all. Hey. Hello. Hey, you hear me? Yes. Wait, huh? Sir. How are you? Well, ma'am. Now that I got you on the phone, do you uh are you uh where you at? You at home? I just we just got out of loads and we're unloading the car. I'm oh. in the car, I should say. Oh, okay. Hey, well, let me I'm gonna send dad a picture for you. I want you I want you to be on the phone, okay? You're gonna send him the what? A picture of my scan for you. I take it this means it's good? Sorry, just sent the old scan. He just, he just sent the old one. Hang on. So tell Pops to look at it. So he just sent you both scans. Holy cow, that's a terrific difference. Yeah, that's really different. That's great. Yeah. Terrific. That means you're, you're in remission. That's right. right? Yeah. That's... yeah, in remission, I guess. Ain't no guess. Yes, he's in remission. <laughs> What'd you say, Pops? What did he say, Mom? I can't hear him. It's, uh, does that mean that Brian has to get his ass out and get a job now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. We love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Love you, Ma. Love you too. All right, bye. Still got my my uh, uh, optimistic yeah. side and my yeah. pessimistic side yeah. fighting each other. Yeah. There's this old uh, Southern uh, gospel song, and it's, it says, "Don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now, because in the end, we're gonna win." So you still fighting? Yet you still fighting, but you shout now because you know victory's in sight. We are so grateful to Brian and LaShondra and really their whole family for being a part of our podcast and sharing their story with us. Uh, I can't begin to emphasize how incredible this couple is. And they stop in our office to bring us treats and they greet us with a hug anytime we see them around town. They are a joy to be around and everybody who knows them is absolutely better for it. Um, so we're so thrilled to be able to, to feature them here. We want to say thank you to our major funding partners who make everything in the Pelotonia world possible. So thank you to the Alburns Foundation, Huntington, the American Electric Power Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santoli. The Pelotonic community is incredible in every sense of the word. And we just want to show you how incredible they are by sharing at the end of each podcast a few highlights from our community of creative fundraisers. So my colleague, Olivia Rosetz, who is our Ride Community Coordinator, is here to share a little bit more about a fun idea that she's heard of uh, lately that some of our very wonderful fundraisers have done. I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, a writer in 2018 uh, who celebrated her first year riding that year. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she did was really creative because mm -hmm. uh, she was honoring her mother who had been diagnosed with breast cancer that year and was going through chemotherapy. And during her treatments, she started this program in art therapy and really fell in love with painting. And so what Amelia did, the, the writer that I met, she uh, started to put up her mother's paintings around her cubicle at work. 
and people started asking about these paintings and uh, offering to give her money for them. So she turned it into a fundraiser. And she ended up raising $2,000 that year. That's amazing. I know. And the best thing about that is, is that all those paintings will live on and everybody can remember, you know, they didn't just make a donation. They made a donation and got this kind of special piece of her mom's history of her cancer journey. And um, I love that. Gets to live on afterwards. That's wonderful. Such a great example of the amazing different types of treatment and therapies. Um, that are recommended for cancer patients to just support them along the way. So love that they turned that into a fundraiser. Thank you so much for sharing, Olivia. Thank you. And now here's a preview of our next episode. He waited till that evening and I hadn't really done any shopping. I was trying to recover and everything I did for everybody had come online. So I didn't visit a single store and my gifts just seemed like not very heartfelt. And he came in with a bike and I'm staring at him like, what? And he said, um, if you're going to continue to fight cancer, you're going to need a better weapon. You've been listening to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia, hosted by me, Ride Community Manager Jill Londino, with interview production and scheduling by Marketing Communications Manager Emily Smith. Produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Westler Media by Vince Tornero. Additional mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orin Judio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so open and willing to share their stories. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, as that will help others hear these empowering stories. If you're curious about joining the Peloton community and making an impact on cancer research, please see the link in the episode notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.